Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And we welcome you in here to the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I'm your host, Damian Barling, and we're going old school. We're going post-game style like we did way back in March during the regular season. And here we are on the verge of the seeding games getting ready to start. And the Sacramento Kings have completed their second of three scrimmage games. This one, a 131-123 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, and the game wasn't even remotely close. Milwaukee looked absolutely extraordinary. The Bucks looked, if you if you saw the Bucks at the end of what, I, I don't know what you call it. If, if you saw the Bucks before the world ended, you saw a team that was uh, dealing with injuries. You saw a team that probably had a lot of questions about, okay, who's going to be healthy by the time the playoffs start? And most importantly, who's going to be healthy by the time their most difficult playoff matchups come around? Uh, well, if you missed today's game, everybody is healthy. And they all look great. The Lopez brothers looks phenomenal. Kyle Corver was incredible. And, of course, uh, they got that guy Giannis. Uh, so they looked incredibly dangerous. But a lot of positives to take away, I think, uh, for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, none bigger than the fact that De'Aaron Fox was on the floor. We're going to bring my man Sanji Singh of the Kings Herald in, in just a heartbeat. But before we bring in Sanji, before we really dive in, to this second scrimmage game, I want to remind you that the Hoopball Podcast Network is brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. You can head over to manscaped.com. You can get 20% off your order by using the promo code HOOPBALL20. Not only will you get 20% off your order, you'll get free shipping in your order that Lawnmower 3.0. It's a third-generation trimmer. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade. That's to reduce, well, it's to reduce accidents. Uh, it's got a long-lasting battery. You can use it in or out of the shower. Uh, water-resistant technology. It's a great little device. Uh, fellas, you want to invest in this. And, and you don't even have to invest full price. Use the promo code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That'll get you 20% off your order, and it'll get you free shipping. Again, HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Go grab you that lawnmower 3.0. They got lots of other goodies there. Uh, so go check it out, manscaped.com. Promo code HOOPBALL20. As promised, I'm going to bring in Sanjay Singh of the Kings Herald. And Sanjay, uh, just as I was uh, introducing you here, I mentioned in a game that I think there's probably a, a few positives away, certainly uh, some negatives come out of this game, but uh, nothing bigger than the fact that De'Aaron Fox was actually on the floor today. Yeah, that's a very good sign for Kings fans and the Kings themselves because De'Aaron Fox is what makes this team run. And to see him back there so early when opening day is, you know, close to a week away. So Fox looked good out there. Did you like what you saw from him? Yeah, I mean, he's got some sort of super healing power that we need to talk about. Like We've always set these timelines for De'Aaron return, and he always just blows past those timelines. It's And it was something that we talked about, you know, during the, you know, when, when it was originally announced he sprained his ankle. It was like, all right, seven to ten days. Who really knows what that means? But the one thing we do know, 
is that De'Aaron seems to heal pretty quickly. I think the most important thing we can note is that he played 19 minutes, and obviously they're going to be watching very closely how he feels tomorrow because we're going to be back on Monday and doing this all one more time before the season or the, the seeding games uh, get underway uh, Thursday for the league and Friday for the Kings. Yeah, and the, I mean, he healed really fast from his grade three ankle sprain the first time this season. And to see him come back again, I mean, I know it wasn't as serious. Luke Walton described it as mild to moderate, but it's it's good to know that when your star point guard goes down, he's probably going to come back quicker than you think he will. And you noted this uh, the last time we talked, and it's worth pointing out again, and it's worth pointing out till the end of time. This team goes as De'Aaron goes. If they're going to run, they're going to run because De'Aaron is out there. If they're not going to run, it's probably because De'Aaron isn't out there. Nobody can dictate the pace the way that he does. Yeah, you saw that today. The Kings, when they got rebounds, they're pushing it up with De'Aaron Fox. Fox wasn't running as much because, you know, the ankle issue is, you know, he doesn't want to re-aggravate it or something. But the Kings were running, and he was using his pace to find people to draw gravity from Milwaukee's defense and use that gravity to find uh, open cutters to the basket or kick it out. And if the Kings can continue to do that with Fox staying healthy, this is going to be something to look out for. And, you know, while we're here in the Valley of the Positives, let's just stay here. I mean, we could, you know, sulk because I don't think, I think the last time we talked, I don't know that Bagley had been ruled out for the year yet or ruled out for the restart, I should say. So, you know, that was kind of a focal point in our conversation is what Marvin Bagley would be. And, you know, that's certainly not a positive, but what a big positive is in addition to De'Aaron's play today is the fact that Harrison Barnes is finally in Orlando. And he is going through uh, the NBA-mandated protocol for him to be able to rejoin the team uh, with the restart just right around the corner. That's arguably, like, that could be, like, the biggest news coming out of this week. I know Fox playing is big, but we do know he is a quick healer. But now you have Harrison Barnes coming back. And one of the things we've been seeing in these games is that the Kings do have good wing depth. Ken Bazemore's been playing very well. And now when you bring in Harrison Barnes into the mix with guys like Bazemore, Corey Brewer, and Daquan Jeffries, this Kings team is getting healthy at the Perfect, perfect time before these seeding games start. You were really big on Kent Bazemore the last time that we talked, and I think he rewarded all of that confidence that you had in him. He played really well again today. Yeah, two straight good games from Kent Bazemore. He looked very good opening day. Like, he didn't even – he didn't look like he was out for – you know, he didn't look like he was resting for four months. He came out. He was aggressive in the first game. He did the same thing today. He had, what, 10 points, I believe, in the first quarter. Um, yeah, he was hitting his long balls. He was attacking – all of the Bucks, um, all of the Bucks players on the court with ease. This is very promising from Kent Bazemore. And if the Kings do have Harrison Barnes back, you have Bazemore to be your spark plug off the bench, and it's a perfect role for Bazemore. Yeah, he again a, a, a really great performance with him. And this, it's it's we're, you've got to kind of pick and choose what you want to roll with here in a game like this for a number of reasons. One, the game did start at nine thirty a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and. And, and just for, you know, context purposes, I don't think it was any easier on the Milwaukee Bucks who were starting a game at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know, so I think the start time of today's game was uh, difficult for both teams, and we saw that in the first five minutes. Something happened in the last, like, six or seven minutes to where both teams absolutely lit up. I think there were two shifts, Sanjus, really in the first half. About halfway through the first quarter, both teams started scoring a bunch of points. And then halfway through the second quarter – only the Bucks kept scoring a bunch of points, and, and, and the Kings scoring barrage was, was pretty much over at that point in the game, kind of 
became what it was. But it's it's hard to, you know, you really got have to, you know, you're a great player evaluator. You've got to go through and you've got to, okay, what did you get from Kent Bazemore today? What did you get from Harry Giles today? You try to look at all of the performances individually because in addition to the the very early start time here in the Pacific Standard Time, uh, you're going against a team who looked in, look, they just looked completely healthy. They looked all world, and I will go super hyperbole on you right now. They looked unbeatable. <laughs> They've been un- unbeatable throughout this whole season. I mean, they did have a three-game skid before coming into or before uh, the hiatus, but they look like they haven't missed a beat either. The whole team is clicking. Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez, if they're hitting threes against you, there's, I mean, there's not much you can do, and that's what happened with the Kings. Um, Lopez, he started off bad, but as the game went on, he found his rhythm, and he destroyed the Kings with it, um, both uh, behind the arc on offense and as a rim protector on defense. Um, you know, Giannis looked great out there. Chris Middleton, as underrated as he is, looked great out there. Um, they got good minutes from their role players. Uh, Wes Matthews looked good. They didn't have Eric Bledsoe, too. And, you know, Bledsoe is one yeah. of the best point guards out there. But <laughs> the Bucks are still very, very dangerous. I mean, this is why they're arguably the best team in the league. They're definitely the best team in the East for a reason. Yeah, it might not even be arguably at this point. Kyle Korver had 22 points, for God's sakes. Uh, the Lopez brothers combined for 33. That's the type of game. George Hill, former Sacramento Kings star, if you will. George Hill uh, had 10 assists uh, in today's game. Things were hitting on, on all cylinders. And, you know, I, I, I joked that they looked unbeatable, though. I, I tried to watch that team and think, okay, what does this team look like against Toronto? What does this team look like against Boston? What does this team look like against Philadelphia? And I can't, you know, seeing them, not just in t- 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 today's game, but maybe more specifically seeing them healthy was like, oh, man. I don't know who's going to beat this team four times in a seven-game stretch. Yeah, I don't really see anybody doing that. I mean, I know the 76ers defeated the Bucks earlier this season, and they have the length and the matchups to, you know, go toe-to-toe against them. But for four games, that is a lot to ask for. You have to play flawless basketball every single night you're out there. Um, as you mentioned about the Toronto Raptors, they also have very good length with Pascal Siakam, Mark Gasol. Uh, Sergio Baca's out there, but again, four games is a grueling task to ask for for any roster to keep up with the Bucks. And, and the Bucks are not going to like let up on you. They're going to keep coming at you. Um, the moment you take your foot off the pedal, they're going to keep going and they're going to run it down your throat. Giannis is there. It's, a, it's an incredible team to watch. And to be completely fair to all parties involved, uh, the Bucks were healing from injuries. They were dealing with injuries in which may have not have been healed uh, by the time the playoffs started and more particularly by the time the NBA final started, should they were to make it that far. So this, uh, as, as uh, tragic as, you know, this COVID-19 circumstance has been and as unfortunate it has been as uh, the COVID-19 circumstances have been for the sports world, you look at a team like Milwaukee and you go, okay, maybe when this all is said and done, they benefited from a four and a half month break before the playoffs started. And you could probably say the same exact thing about a team that you just mentioned, the Philadelphia 76ers. So the Eastern Conference, the, you know, these Eastern Conference, the reseeding will be interesting. I don't, or seeding games, they'll be interesting. I don't think they'll matter particularly much, but I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be something extraordinary. And it's, the, it's funny because the East has gotten very competitive this year, um, especially, I mean, one of the reasons why it could be because LeBron James is no longer there, so he's not the dominant factor in the East anymore. 
But when you look at the teams in the Eastern Conference right now, I mean, the Bucks are the are ahead of the pack, but they have good competition. You know, Toronto is there, Philadelphia is there, Boston. Um, they did lose yesterday to the Oklahoma City Thunder, but they're another uh, dark horse contender. Um, Indiana did lose Demontis Sabonis, but they're another yeah. possibility to give teams a run for their money. Um, the East is going to be fun this year, as you know, something I haven't been able to say like in years past because of LeBron James's dominance, but. It's, it's looking fun for both conferences. Uh, 80 points for the Milwaukee Bucks in the first half. They did not let up uh, in the second half at all. But this is not the Milwaukee Bucks podcast here on the Hoopball Podcast Network. It is the Sacramento Kings. So apologize uh, on behalf of the both of us and particularly for me for shifting the conversation over there to the Eastern Conference and the Bucks. Let's get back to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we talked about Kent Bazemore, how well he played. Uh, we talked about how great it was to see uh, De'Aaron Fox out there on the floor. Do you have another player? I think Daquan Jeffries had another really good outing as well. Jeffries, man, Stockton Kings product, two straight games where he's been very impressive. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe he led the Kings in minutes today. And for Walton to show that, you know, to reward Jeffries with the production he's been putting on, I know these are just scrimmage games, but for Jeffries, as mentioned by Doug Christie on air, this is an audition for guys like him, not only for the Kings, but for every single team out there following the conclusion of this restart. Um, the Kings have to keep Jeffries, I think, if he continues to play like this. He's 22 years old. He's the same age as De'Aaron Fox. And the way he's playing out there, he's a very good two-way player. He can stretch the floor on offense, not at a very good rate, but he can stretch the floor. He can bang down low against bigger players. Um, one of the interesting facts about Jeffries is that he weighs 230. So he's only five pounds less than Rashawn Holmes' is listed weight, which is 235. And that is, that is very interesting, and it is very promising for Jeffries because he's playing very well out there. What did you think about his game? Yeah, I mean, nothing to correct you on there. He did lead the team in minutes with 31. And for the, you know, some people love this stat. Some people hate it. Some people use it uh, only when it's good for their argument. But he was plus 12 in the plus minus category, which speaks to something that you just said a moment ago is that he was very good on both sides of the floor. And I think that's one thing while some people, again, they love that stat and some people hate that stat. It can also, uh, it, it, it can also give you a gauge of what type of player uh, Daquan Jeffries is or what type of player anyone is when you're using that plus minus stat on the defensive side of the ball. And in, in a lot like Harrison Barnes, you know, he's, he wasn't, he, you know, not trying to, put him you know where Harrison Barnes is an all-star he's a you know, he's, he's, he's a very good NBA player Daquan Jeffries is working his way along but much to what we have talked about with Harrison Barnes in the past and what you had just mentioned a, a moment ago when you were talking about perhaps this was the best news that the Kings have gotten this whole week is that you want a guy who can be able to kind of glue things together on both sides of the floor uh, and Daquan Jeffries was able to do that and man the, you know uh, <laughs> kings continue kings fans continue to be excited about Corey Brewer and rightfully so a guy that you know the kings fans and and obviously the organization loved him you know when they when they brought him in at the uh, trade deadline time last year i think there were a lot of people thinking hey maybe Corey Brewer could be on the roster this year he wasn't he was brought in uh, for this restart and he has kings fans uh, appreciating that acquisition once again Brewer as an end of the bench guy is probably one of the best moves any NBA team can make because he's going to give it his all no matter what, no matter how many minutes he plays, whether it's one minute, whether it's 10 minutes, he's going to give you everything. And one of the one of the pleasing things I liked about Brewer so far in this restart is that he's hitting his threes. And yeah. throughout his career, he's not developed a reputation for being a reliable three-point shooter. He's a low in the low 30s, but he's been hitting, I think he only missed one so far if I'm 
most likely wrong on that, but he's been hitting his corner shots. You know, we saw today um, he stripped somebody from their pocket and threw it down on the other end. Um, you know, when you talk about the depth, you have Barnes. Uh, Baysmore is the backup. Jeffries is showing out. And then you have Corey Brewer, too, provides great length. And, I mean, the Kings haven't had good wing depth in a while, but these four guys are all bringing it right now. And he was two for two from three today, uh, five of six from the field scored. I mean, he was very, very efficient in the 14 minutes that he tw- played, uh, 12 points uh, for Corey Brewer. Uh, kind of a, a, t- a typical day for Buddy Heald. Um, I, you know, I tend to look at Buddy. Buddy is very much a volume shooter. And, and sometimes you look at Buddy's numbers and you go, hey, 19 points in 25 minutes. That's, that's solid stuff. But the fact is he was eight of 18 from the field. Buddy really likes to get his shots up, uh, but that's who and what Buddy Heald is, and there's going to be a night, perhaps more than one, where that 8 of 18 is going to wind up being 11 or 12 of 18, and those are the nights that you always hope for from Buddy Heald. Yeah, he was 7 of 14 at one point, I believe, when he had 17 points, um, but as the game went on, he did kind of cool off a little, which is That's typical. That, yeah, that happens a that lot happens, with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes on those stretches where – you know, he can't buy a single bucket. And that's when the Kings offense kind of falls apart at times. But there are stretches when, like the Boston game this season in Boston, where he just couldn't miss from three, put up 40 points uh, in that game. But Buddy, the last or these two games, this restart has looked very well. He's led the Kings in scoring, I believe, both times, um, 19 points. And yeah, because you need Buddy scoring off the bench. Um, he hasn't started in these two games, but he is bringing it right now. He, did, he started slow in the first game, but today against Milwaukee, he came out fast, had 17 points um, in the first half, I believe. It's looking good for Buddy, too. And I want to be clear. I'm not trying to come across negatively on Buddy. A lot of shooters get very you, – you see this all the time. You see, you'll see a shooter go as a team goes. Like, a team will be incredibly hot in the first half. You'll see a team put up 90 points in the first half, and you go, okay, well, there's, there's, there's no way they can maintain this. So if – Something, you know, you tighten up a little bit on the defensive end, you get a few more shots to fall, you'll be right back in the game. That happens multiple times a night uh, in every single NBA game. It's just, it, 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 it happens with Buddy uh, quite a bit where you'll see a stretch where he'll be like seven of eight, seven of nine, but then he'll wind up fin- finishing like eight of 18. And a lot of times what gets in the way is halftime. <laughs> like, a, like a, you know what I mean? Like a shooter will cool off and, so, or, you know, uh, a shooter will be hot, they'll go to halftime or they'll go to, uh, you know, they'll go to the bench or whatever it may be, and, and suddenly they cool down uh, quite a bit. Not, not isolated uh, to Buddy Heald, but you always hope when you're a Kings fan that uh, once a couple of those shots drop, uh, that he can get rolling and, and, and get that team on fire. It's funny you mention that because one of the things about Buddy Heald is that out of halftime, he's usually the first person back on the court getting shots up because he wants to keep his momentum going. Um, another player we saw today, uh, you know, he started off slow, but he got much better in the third quarter. That was Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bogey was very passive in the first half. He didn't look like he was even out there. Like, his presence was not felt at all. But as soon as the third quarter hit, he became more aggressive. He was looking for his shot, trying to get his game going. And because of that, Milwaukee started to gravitate towards him a little more. And that opened up Bogey to create for others because he is the second-best playmaker for this team. And he showed that in the third quarter. What did you make of his performance? Okay, so similar to you, uh, he, he got going. Uh, I, th- I feel like you know you you can trace a lot of the players' patterns past that first five or six minutes. The first five, I, as as this game started, I was like, "Boy, this is going to be a war of attrition. <laughs> this is going to be a really difficult watch." And then suddenly, 
couple of threes fell for Milwaukee. A couple of things fell for Sacramento. And it's like, all right, now we've, now we've got something going here. And if you can get production out of Bogdan and Buddy, because there, it felt like there were stretches during the year as much as everybody praised the, you know, the, the swap of the two in terms of uh, the guy coming off of the bench and the guy in the starting lineup. It felt like there were quite a few occasions where Buddy would just be on fire why bogey would be ice cold. And then you would get, you know, a, a semblance of a flip-flop where bogey would be really good, but buddy would be off that day. If you get solid outings from both of those two players, that means you're getting a high quality performance off the bench. That means you're getting a high quality performance in the starting lineup. And for these guys to be able to kind of feel their way through here in these first two, these first two scrimmages games, man, I'm starting to have an, and I'm, I, I actually took a lot of positive away from that. I don't even know what the final score was, to be completely honest with you. I have it here in front of me somewhere, but I, I wasn't looking at that. Like I started for, for a team that lost and pretty much have lost both games, you know, for the most part, wire to wire. Man, I took a lot of positives away uh, from this game as it pertains to the Kings. And, and instead of looking at a potential Kings-Bucks matchup where I'm looking at, okay, the Kings versus the Pelicans. The Kings versus the Spurs coming up this Friday. The Kings versus the Suns. The Kings versus all of those teams that they're going to be competing for uh, with the eight spot and, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies there. Uh, and I took positives away. Harry Giles is, I mean, that guy, you, you look at Harry right now with Marvin Bagley out, there's going to be all eyes on him. You know, still, still, no, still no minutes here from Rashawn Holmes. I've got to assume he's going to play Monday. Uh, but we'll, you know, what, what, what do you think about Harry Giles as we head into the, you know, the final scrimmage game and what we expect to be the, you know, uh, the, as we start to implement uh, Rashawn Holmes after 10 days of being grounded? I still think Giles is still trying to get the rust off of him. Uh, he looked kind of shaky in that opening game, but I'm not going to put too much, you know, blame on him for that because he hasn't played in four months. Um, today, he did look a little bit better. I did like the one play he had in the high post where he found Bazemore on a cut and Bazemore threw it down on the defender. That was a fun watch. Um, I hope Giles is doing good, though, because he did lead the game early, and I don't think he came back after that when he collided with Wesley Matthews. But if, um, if he's ready to go against the Clippers, it'll be interesting to see him match up against them because they're a little thin at the front court right now. Um, they, they are getting um, – I mean, they don't have Harold right now. They only have, you know, Joaquin Noah um, available at center. But for Giles, it's just him to continue to develop and – show that he can give minutes when, you know, your two guys, Landon Holmes, aren't available for you right now. Um, today was much better for him than it was opening day. So it's something to build on for him going forward. You mentioned Montrez Harrell. It's, it, you should point this out as well. You know, a lot of people are obviously very well aware that Zion Williamson is back with, uh, with, with the New Orleans, Orleans Pelicans. They're competing there uh, for that eight spot. He, and not, not only that, but they've got the Thursday game. He had to get back. Montrez Harrell, the Clippers, they're in a situation where – uh, once we get to Thursday, they've pretty much got eight more preseason games. Uh, they've still got a lot of time to kind of figure this out before. Because I, you know, I and, and I'll ask you this question, not necessarily Sacramento Kings related, but NBA restart, reseeding or seeding games uh, related. It, 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 you know, if you're the Lakers, you've got a lot of time to figure this out. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, who we saw today, you got a lot of time to figure this out. I don't know that you know, even though there's, a, you've got like the Rockets and, and, the, and the Thunder and the Mavericks, and you got all of these teams kind of clumped up together. If they kind of shuffle spots and you've got, you know, the team that is, you know, fourth right now, they wind up finishing sixth. I'm not really sure what all of that matters. I mean, I'm sure there are some 
you know, slotted numbers. Like if you're slotted at three right now and you finish six, it ultimately doesn't matter because there's no reseeding after the first round. Probably, you know, maybe, maybe you want to avoid having to play the Clippers and the, the Lakers to get to the loss, uh, to get to the NBA finals. But with no home court advantage, I, I don't know how much some of these games mean, particularly for the top seven seeds uh, in each of the conferences. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, because home, you know, it's home court advantage is not going to play a factor at all. Every every team is in a neutral setting, so um, it's all about matchups. You know, the Clippers for them, they're out what like five, six guys right now. I mean, they're getting some players back. Lou Williams just left for a funeral, I believe it was. Um, so for them, it's like it's about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard leading the way for them. Um, they don't have Patrick Beverly either. That's a big loss. But for the Clippers, yeah, like you mentioned, they're going to need to get all their players back together, try to get some, like, resemblance of chemistry going again because for them, they need the best matchups possible. Um, and they start against the Clippers – I mean, they start against the Lakers on opening day, and if they're shorthanded, it could be a bad loss for them to start. Is there a player uh, in that matchup coming up on Monday, a player on the Sacramento Kings roster that you're, you're watching really closely heading into this last scrimmage game? I think it's going to be Daquan Jeffries, mainly because he stood out to me the first few games. And if he continues this impressive audition against the Clippers, then he is bound to get more minutes against the Spurs and be a crucial part of Walton's rotation going forward. Um, Barnes coming back in might limit the minutes that Jeffries sees. But at the same time, if Jeffries continues to impress, then I it's a tough decision for Walton to make because does he go with Jeffries? in certain situations over Corey Brewer, or does he go for the veteran Brewer over the inexperienced Jeffries? But Jeffries has looked good these two games. He most likely will look good again against the Clippers, not to jinx him or anything, but he has momentum going for him. And one more scrimmage game for Jeffries to show that he could be a future piece for the Kings going forward is something for all Kings fans to be looking at right now. And there's no way i'm just looking at the rosters barring something you know terribly unfortunate like jabari parker is just not going to be a part of the rotation and yeah, he's such a so. he's such an enigma <laughs> like there, there's just such this weird thing to jabari parker where you see him and you look at him and you know a lot of it's not his fault there were there was a ton of hype surrounding him and in in andrew wiggins and that draft class which which included jo- joel Embiid, uh, coming out of college but he, he, you just look at him and you go, man, that guy right there is the prototypical basketball player. And then it, it just it doesn't click. And, and every time I see him out there on the floor, I look at it and go, man, it's not clicking. It's just it never clicks with him. And, and, and I, I've never been able to wrap my brain around why. It's strange because he Parker did average over 14 points a game with Atlanta this season. But it's weird because he never really was consistent with it. Um, and, you know, when the Kings traded Dwayne Dedman to bring in the package that included Jabari Parker, Alex Lynn, you know, we were looking at Jabari Parker to be the main piece of the package coming to Sacramento, but it didn't turn out that way because Parker does have potential, but he just has to stay healthy enough to fulfill it. But it became Alex Lynn that became the more crucial part because of what he provided to the team, contrast to what, or contrary to what Parker provided, and what we're seeing right now is Parker is still struggling on the court. Um, he's not a good rim protector at all, but he's not necessarily getting minutes to show that he can, you know, be a good piece for the Kings going forward. And some something to look at for Parker as well is that he does have an option 
that he can either pick up or decline with the Kings. And that means that could mean he stays with the Kings for one more season. Yeah. Or that means he could go somewhere else. But if he even if he has even uh, thought about declining that option, uh, he should punish himself. Like he should punish himself. He should fire his agent. He should fire everybody involved with him. If, if, if someone even says, you know, if you decline the option in this very uncertain offseason, Jabari Parker is going to be a king for another year. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't even think that could be, you know, discussed at this point. But, you, you know, you brought up a, you know, you said something interesting there and that, you know, expected him to come over, but he, he just wasn't healthy. He can never really get out on the floor. And then that's what happens. And I think this you know, the, to, to kind of come full circle here as we start to wrap things up, to kind of bring Marvin Bagley into the conversation who we haven't really talked about. Obviously, he's, you know, I, he's, he's gone home. He's not going to be a part of this restart. He's, you know, he's dealing with a foot injury. And I think this is a big concern for Kings fans is when you, when you get injured, and this is what's happened with Jabari Parker, is, is, is you get injured and then you get, you know, someone takes your spot. You know what I mean? And then, and then you get another injury and then, you know, someone else moves up the depth chart. And then, you know, in addition to constantly having to rehab, your, your confidence starts to suffer. Jabari Parker actually had a really good season, uh, what, three years ago, two years ago? And then he got injured. I think it was three years ago now. Cause, and, and then he got injured. And it was like, well, just as you started to see it, maybe he didn't have that flair that he had the rookie year or, or that you wanted him to have his rookie year. But he improved, he got better, and then you know, he got hit with that injury, and it was like, oh, dear. Uh-oh. Because I don't think Jabari was a bust out of the gate. Jabari was a, okay, maybe we overhyped this draft class a little too much, but Jabari is going to be a fine player, and then it all, it's just it's kind of gone to hell ever since. Mm-hmm. And now he's you know, struggling for minutes in Sacramento. So, um, yeah, I, I do expect him to be a king, though, next year. It, it, I just don't see him declining that money. Um, so maybe if Parker can show in this final scrimmage game that he's worthy of minutes right now, I mean, there is uncertainty in the front court with Lennon Holmes still not playing yet, but once they are back, then Parker is even is shoved further down the depth chart. So it's, it's a weird situation for him. Kings lose uh, 131 to 123 in the second scrimmage game. And I assure you, it was not that close. Uh, it was 80 to 60 at the half and Milwaukee just uh, continued to pile on, but you know, this was a nine 30 start. The bucks are obviously very, very, very good. They are very much uh, a title contender. And I, I didn't get a chance. I watched a little bit of the Los Angeles Lakers. I was, I was a little bit more glued to the Sonics uh, Liberty game that was on, but uh, I watched a little bit of the Lakers. I haven't really gotten a chance to digest everything that they've got going on. Uh, but the bucks looked really, really good today. Look, they looked very dangerous as it pertains to, uh, capturing a uh, NBA championship. One last game coming up on Monday. One last scrimmage game before things get real for all parties involved. Uh, it'll be the Sacramento Kings, and I think it's a, it's a, it's another early start on Monday, isn't it? Not this early, but do we have an early afternoon start on 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 Monday? We have a one p.m. start on Monday. There it is, Sanjay Singh and the Kings Herald. I appreciate you for joining me once again. Thanks, my man. Thank you for having me once again. As always, appreciate you so much for tuning in here to the Sacramento Kings podcast here on the Hoopball podcast platform. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you check out the rest of the podcast over on the Be Heard platform. All you got to do is search Be Heard in whatever your favorite podcast listening device is, whether it's Apple Podcasts, search Be Heard. Boom. We've got five podcasts there, including my daily show, the podcast with Damian Barling. The Deuce and Mo podcast. They post Monday through Thursday. Uh, for all of your sports talk, that is available there. Of course, J Street Vibes with Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones. That is a Sacramento Kings podcast. 
and it's available for you on the Be Heard podcast platform. And you can check out the Dope Ones podcast, very business oriented, social justice oriented, uh, black culture oriented. I think you'll really dig that podcast. Uh, the Dope Ones is a Sacramento based apparel company. Donnie Ramsey, the host of the show, is a graphic designer, incredibly talented. So happy to have him uh, as part of our team over there on Be Heard. So check that out. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back with more. We're on the eve of the season. We're getting closer and closer to these seeding games. We're getting closer and closer to the Sacramento Kings making a push for the playoffs for the first time in 13 seasons. We've got you all the way. Uh, until we get there uh, remember final game coming up on monday we will have another show for you uh probably either monday afternoon or on tuesday uh, just make sure you are subscribed make sure you've got those notifications turned on and make sure that you are with us here on the sacramento kings podcast presented by hoopball and the hoopball podcast network